This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This weekend was landscape changing for college basketball and two programs undoubtedly look like the biggest winners of the NBA draft deadline. Welcome in for you Alana Inquirer podcast listeners, you know my voice, but for you Swarmcast listeners, welcome in. It's Jeremy Warner, publisher of Alana Inquirer, and here's a voice you know better, David Eicholt of Hawkeye Insider, one of the hardest working people in the business. What's up, David? Hey, Jeremy. Good talking to you, man. Uh, can't wait for college basketball season. What a weekend it was for Iowa fans and Illinois fans. I mean, surprising to me to see Io come back, but, you know, I think that speaks volumes to uh, his character. And I think he's got a lot of the right people in his ear telling him, hey, you know, you do something special, you can launch your stock up next year. And I think that's going to pay off dividends for him. Absolutely. One of the best parts of working in this network is having such a great group uh, at other Big Ten universities covering them. So we figured we'd collaborate on kind of a fun debate uh, that both Illinois and <laughs> Iowa fans are having. And it's ex- and they got to be ecstatic just to be in this debate, right? This is what you live for mm-hmm. as a sports fan. Um, who's the Big Ten favorite? And, and while I think Wisconsin, obviously, after winning a share of the title, returning everybody, they're in the picture. I'm still not counting out Michigan State because of Tom Izzo and the talent no. he has. But uh, I just put out uh, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. I just put out our poll uh, of 24-7 beat writers here. And Illinois and Iowa uh, finished 2-1, and one, respectively. Um, and while we'll make the case for either, it is clear, David, that both these teams are top 10 preseason teams with a chance to mm-hmm. make a run at a conference crown and a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And Dave, for these two programs, that is a welcome new reality because it's been a really long time since they've been in that conversation. No, it, you're absolutely right too. And I think it's, you know, I just think back to uh, three years ago, especially for Iowa. I mean, they were coming off a pretty decent season. Expectations were high. You know, Luca Garza was coming in. They had a decent recruiting class. They went 14 and 19 and they went through a stretch of 11 straight road games where they trailed by at least 17 points. I mean, like they, they were getting blown it, blown out night in, night out. Uh, but, you know, Iowa still doesn't play much better defense, but uh, it's, at least it's not the bottom two. <laughs> but uh, you're, you're exactly right. And I think there's a lot of excitement for both fan bases and how unfortunate, you know, to see, you know, we'll see if the crowds end up being able to go into the arena because uh, there would be a lot of excitement, the electricity, I think, especially for Iowa, Illinois games, you and I were, sitting pretty close to each other, especially at that Iowa game. We just kept looking back and forth at each other like, man, this is this is awesome. This is what I imagine it like what it was like in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the forehead to forehead between Devontae Williams, Connor McCaffrey, the postgame handshake, 
the rowdiness of both crowds. I mean, it, it, it really was what makes college basketball special. And I, I hope these teams play four times this year. I want I want every every Iowa-Illinois matchup. Yeah, hopefully we get these games, of course. But yeah, the Big Ten schedule, this has got to be a two-play. Uh, this should be for the rest of these two coaches' tenures, at least, um, Fran and Brad. <laughs> uh, what a job both those guys have done. I know Fran's had a little bit more time here, but to, to get these programs back to there, because you're right, it feels like, man, um, I, I know there were some battles maybe in the early two thousands but yeah you, you really go back to Lute Olson and, and Tom Davis and, and uh, what uh, Lou Henson was doing back in the days in the 80s that uh, these were mm-hmm. fe- felt like they were at this kind of level uh, so yeah this has been this has been a lot of fun so okay David let's break it down you're gonna break down why clearly the Big Ten title race <laughs> runs through Iowa City and I will break down clearly why it runs through Champaign uh, we'll start with Iowa coming up next selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right uh, obviously the biggest comeback uh, from the nba draft the biggest name is luca garza even illinois fans have to admit that because luca garza i mean i remember him tearing up illinois i believe he was a freshman and kind of a breakout game for him and i was like ah that's Mm -hmm. that's a nice player i never thought he turned into national player of the year and i know david you've done a great series of stories about why and how he became that uh, but can you kind of break down what went into Luca Garza's decision and what does this mean for Iowa? Sure. And, you know, I, you know, I think a lot of people on the outside did believe that Luca Garza was hundred percent coming back. I can tell you from talking extensively to, to his father, who was a crucial part in that series of features I was doing as well as a couple other people close to his camp. It really was closer to about 50, 50, 60, 40. At one point, there was a point in time where he was gone. Uh, and I think what people need to realize, too, is NBA teams did like Luca. There's obviously, you know, they're worried about his athleticism, worried about his uh, ball screen defense and switching. But if you got a seven-footer who can shoot 80% in an individual NBA workout from 35-foot, I mean, he's going to probably have a decent shot at making a roster. Um, with that being said, he was offered a one-year deal to an overseas team that was worth a million dollars and a shoe deal. Wow. So, I mean, you're talking about – you know, again, people say uh, it was such an easy decision, but I mean, if you're getting a 21 year old kid, a shoe deal, even if it's overseas and seven figures for one year, 
because he could have just went there, came back, redeclared for the draft at that point. Uh, but he turned it down. And like you said, I think it is the biggest, it was the biggest decision in college basketball. I think the quote that really stuck out to me about Luca uh, during his press conference was, I didn't want to leave based off an unknown, as in COVID-19, all the pandemic. And he didn't want to turn on the TV and watch his team play on the court with the possibility, you know, with him not being there. So, you know, I think he's all in on it, no matter what happens. If there is a season, if there's not a season, he said he's not going to regret it. And I think that just shows the bond that he has with Fran, with the fan base and with his teammates, too. He's a really different kid. I mean, he's built on loyalty. Iowa was the first high major school to offer him. He ended up getting about 30-plus offers. Uh, but he's just a differently wired kid who, who, you know, works out three times a day and wants to do something that's never been done. And he will go down, right? I mean, he's got the chance here to, to go down mm-hmm. as the best Iowa basketball player ever. I, I would imagine T BJ Armstrong, maybe you can add a couple more in there, but, um, does that matter to him? Was that, was that part of this decision here? I think to some extent. Yeah. I mean, I think right now you can make a case for Roy Marble probably to the all-time league score at Iowa. Um, but look, he's only 558 points away from breaking Roy Marble's record, which sounds like it's pretty far away. But when you put up 740 points in a regular, <laughs> regular season, it sounds pretty realistic. Even in a short uh, season, it, he could do that. It feels like even if they only play 20 games, yeah. he's got a chance to get yeah. <laughs> Well, it, I mean, you're exactly right though. And it would be interesting because we'll get into this, but I mean, they got Bohannon back hundred percent healthy for the first time. You got Frederick and Wieskamp. I mean, if you double Luca, he kicks it back out. Uh, you know, and what are you going to do, put one-on-one? And the biggest thing, I think, for Luca, which he's really excited about, Kofi's the only big man, I think, in the conference that has experience guarding Luca Garza. Jalen Smith's gone. Oturu's gone. Tillman's gone. I think Rutgers, uh, Rutgers big Miles Johnson's probably the only other one, but he really didn't do much against Luca. I mean, to be fair, I you know, who really did <laughs> to some extent? But I think the bigger legacy, it goes past individual. I think he wants to be the face and he wants to be the guy who brought a Big Ten championship back to Iowa and bring a national championship. I truly believe he doesn't care about the stats or the awards. I think he really just wants a ring. You mentioned in there uh, a key for Iowa and, and why everyone loves them is because a couple of years ago, Jordan Bohannon was, was one of their best players, the most clutch player uh, a couple of seasons ago uh, in the mm-hmm. Big Ten. What is his health status and what do they think his impact will be coming back for another year? Yeah, I think it, he, I think he's one of the X factors, but I, you know, I'm still not convinced that he even starts. I think he could be a very prominent sixth man because I think Joe Toussaint showed a lot last year. He was inconsistent at times with that athleticism, that, that quickness that he brings. I mean, I think he's probably the fastest down, you know, 94 feet guy in the conference. I mean, he's a lightning bolt and he's a decent defender. And that's what Iowa needs. They need that change of pace. That guy that can get in the lane, uh, kick it out, feed Luca in the post. Uh, but as far as Jordan Bohannon goes, I think he's, it's a huge gain. And I think what people need to realize Jordan Bohannon is the all-time Iowa leading three-point shooter. He has not been healthy since his true freshman season. He played 33 minutes a game as a sophomore with plantar fasciitis because Iowa had no backup point guard because their backup point guard transferred the night before the the scrimmage. So, (laughs) you know, that that 14-19 season got off to a rough start from that. And then during his junior season when he uh, didn't break the record, but he was pretty close to that point, the first hip injury, that first major hip surgery he had, it, it came in like the third or fourth game of the year, and he played throughout the entire thing. And then last year when he played the 10 games, he didn't even practice. He was just in the training room, you know, getting injections in his hip uh, to try and numb the pain. He'd play through it. Uh, so, I mean, it was fairly obvious, at least to me, all year he was going to do a medical redshirt. 
But with that being said, I will go on record and say this. If there had been a regular season, if the season had ended like, you know, with the NCAA tournament, I think Bohannon transfers. Uh, there was a lot of speculation that he was going to transfer. Uh, and after talking to some people, I did believe that that was going to be the case. And he even said, yeah, I, I really thought about it. Uh, but he's 100% healthy. I think he's in really good shape. And, you know, shooter's touch really never leaves. And I think that one more perimeter threat. When Iowa's hot, they're hot. But they did have some games last year where when they're ice cold, I mean, they were ice cold. I think of the at Lincoln, at Nebraska game when they went. Frederick was out. Bohannon was out. Weiss Camp went 1 of 10. I think they went like 4 of 32 from 3, 4 of 33. Or, it, was, it was just bad. It was just bad. So a clutch shooter, I think with Io, Geo, and Jordan Bohannon, I mean, you're talking, it's a loaded clutch uh, conference that the Big Ten's going to have this year. All right. We know Joe Wieskamp has an NBA skill. Uh, he, he can shoot the cover of the ball at times. I know maybe not as good as he wanted last year, but um, he's really good. C.J. Frederick, I, I don't know if he got enough pub uh, across the Big Ten for mm-hmm. how big of an impact he made. Uh, how do you feel about the depth uh, Iowa has coming into this year? You know, it does – at least take me aback, and I think it, it. Iowa fans get nervous when Fran says hey, it's the deepest team we've ever had because a couple of years ago Fran gets in trouble for playing eleven guys because you know guys just they, they can't get in the groove. The best thing that Fran can do, I think, this year is play eight guys. So they have basically seven starters back, which is wild to think about, right? You got Bohannon, Jack Nunji started as a freshman. He redshirted towards ACL last year. Uh, Garza, uh, Connor McCaffrey, who I think is one of the most underrated glue guys in the in the country last season, not a big time score, but nation's leader assist turnover ratio, undersized four, but can rebound. And he's, I mean, Illinois, I mean, Illinois fans know. I mean, he's a tough, he's a tough kid. He's a, he's a kid uh, you he hate playing. Yeah, he's a kid you hate playing, which is a, a yeah, exactly to him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think Frederick's kind of that same way. And I think the biggest difference I will say from last year's team as well. That was the first year where I sat back and watched Iowa and said, this team has a swagger to them. They have a mental edge. Iowa, Iowa's never been – like, Bohan's probably the closest they've had. But if you're talking about a full team, I mean, you're talking blowing kisses to opposing fans, flexing in the camera, hyping each other up. I mean, you, I can't think of an Iowa team that's ever done that. I mean, the, you know, and I think that's why the Iowa fans love to embrace them and every other Big Ten fan base hate them. And, you know, I can't blame <laughs> – you can't blame – you can't blame the other uh, fan bases for that. But, look, I think – Joe Toussaint started as well. I, Patrick McCaffrey, look, he's not the best defender in the world, but he's put on uh, like he's up to like 205, 210, which is a massive big thing for him because remember, he had uh, thyroid cancer at 14 years old, overcame that, uh, and he had some residual health effects, which is why he ended up medically registering last year to put on some weight to get his energy back to learn how to adjust to big time basketball. But he's a very versatile player, and I think he could end up making a difference as well. Uh, but look, Iowa's got seven stars. I think the depth's there. I think Joshua Gundele, a freshman center from London who is on campus now as of two days ago, as our Sean Bach reported. Um, I think he's going to have to play sparingly. But I think Iowa, as far as depth, I think there's some unprovenness there. I think they have a lot of talent. But as far as the starting five goes, I think it's clear that Illinois and Iowa have some two of the top four best starting fives in college basketball yeah absolutely and that's why you see them two of the top six teams in the cbs Mm -hmm. uh 25 and one today okay my one big concern because it is clear david that Mm -hmm. iowa 
it might be the best offense in the country. I mean, it's hard to you, – you mentioned it. You can't really double-team anybody. If you double-team Garza, uh, you're going to get crushed from the outside. If you single-guard uh, Garza, unless yeah. you're Xavier Tillman, who's not here anymore, uh, you're in trouble. Um, but defensively, they were one of the worst defenses in the Big Ten last year. They lost six of their last 11 games and gave up a lot of points in, in a lot of those losses. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and of the great teams, and I was one of the good teams last year, uh, the top 36 of the Kempom, they were the worst defensively in those metrics so I have no question they're the best offensively the, the one concern I would have about them winning the Big Ten and going to a Final Four would yep. be their defense so what what kind of strides do you think they can make there how big of a concern is that sure and I think it is it's rightful too and that's why if so if somebody picks Illinois to win the Big Ten if somebody went, picks Wisconsin I'm not gonna sit there and belittle them they all have a case and Iowa definitely the defense and I think the rebounding to some extent too uh, needs improvement. But again, Iowa just didn't have the size. Like they had Creener last year, they had Garza. But you're talking about they had a lengthy uh, lineup with McCaffrey, Wieskamp. I mean, they had a bunch of six six guys, but they lacked the actual size and actual post presence besides Garza. So with that being said, I think it's important to take into account. I do believe Iowa's defense was better last year. They defended the three good at times, but when it was bad, I mean, it was bad. You're talking about giving up 103 to Michigan. You're talking about Purdue going – 104 points they hit like 18 threes I mean it was the most ridiculous shooting stretch I think I've seen maybe ever so I think there are a couple big adjustments one I was going to be healthier and I you know I, I you know I hate using that as an excuse but you know Jack Nungy is a versatile defender you know and I think he has a lot to prove and I got told throughout all last offseason he and Garza were the two most dominant players and the most consistent players so if Nungy can get that confidence back I think he can be an inside outside guy because he's capable of hitting the three and defending the three as well. Um, with that being said, look, I think there are some very basic things they can do at times. I think the biggest problem that Iowa had last year is hand down, man down. I mean, they just wouldn't get hands up in the opponent's face as they get there. They close out late. They, you know, somebody splashes home a three. If they can improve that quickness on the switches, I think it'll go a long way. Again, I think Joe Toussaint's going to be big into that. He's a little bit undersized, but he is as pesky as they come. He's got a lot of defensive prowess, and he's aggressive. If he can control the foul situation, I think that will be big. C.J. Frederick, I think, is Iowa's best two-way player in terms of an offensive and a defensive threat. And keep in mind, Frederick suffered through multiple injuries last year. He was probably at best 80% healthy all last season. So if he can get that extra step, I think that will be big for him too. And I I do want to mention this. I meant to mention this earlier. C.J. Frederick might be the fourth – option for defenses to guard and that's why it's so scary for Iowa's yeah. offense and you're talking about a guy that shot 46 percent from three because yeah. Bohan and Wieskamp and Garza are probably the top three guys you're going to want to key in on um so I think if Iowa can be in the top 65 to 70 a defense efficiency rating oh, yeah. I think that that's going to easily put them in a final four contention uh because I think that offense I believe right now the all-time Ken Palm record is the Wisconsin team that made the championship back in 14. I 100% believe Iowa's offensive efficiency can challenge that just with what they got. And I do see a lot of similarities between that Wisconsin team and this Iowa team. Uh, so which is why I'm, I'm sold on Iowa this year. Uh, but again, I think the defense has got to improve. I think everybody's got to lock in. And as far as Garza goes, I think this is an incredibly important note that people don't take into account. Garza cannot be aggressive on defense last year. He had to stay out of foul trouble because if he got off the court, I mean, Iowa was done, especially with all the injuries last year. So just the health of the team, I think that they can at least take a, a reasonable step up, but not, not nothing massive. They're not going to blow you away defensively, but th- that, their offense is their best defense. 
Before we get into Illinois, I wanted to ask you, David, Fran McCaffrey has been there a while. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I think one thing from the outside, I know there's been a year that's been different than this, but from the outside, it's always appeared when his teams are good, they kind of fade down the stretch, mm-hmm. right? Um, so what's this sure. season mean for, for Fran McCaffrey and, and just his tenure and his program? You know, I, again, I, I hate sounding over dramatic, but I 100% believe this is true at this point in time. This year is the turning point for Iowa basketball. They have to do something because I asked Fran McCaffrey during the press conference on Sunday. I said, look, you've been coaching a long time. Is this your dream lineup? Is this your dream roster? Because he's a great offensive mind. I I think everyone in the country will agree that in terms of out of balance sets, some of his offense, the way he runs it, it's, it's really something to behold. But the defense obviously is not there. And Fran said, there's no question. I got seven stars back. Iowa's incredibly experienced. And I think that's something that's going to play into the account too. Luca turns 22 in December. Connor uh, is 22 now. Jordan Bohannon turned 23. CJ Frederick's 21. I mean, you're talking about a very, and Jack Nungy's 21 as well. I mean, you're talking about a very poised veteran group. Um, and I think that's going to be their biggest asset. But as far as Iowa goes, if they really want to take that next step up as a Big Ten program after post Licklider, and I know people hate me referring to that but that was a dark time for Iowa fans uh you know I think it does have to be this year I think if they want to make a splash on the recruiting trail I think if they want to take their program to the next level I think a big 10 title goes a long way I think an elite eight or a final four appearance uh I do think that not they won't be contender year in year out but takes them from I think that middle middle pack it puts them in the upper middle pack and I think that'd just be a huge thing uh, for the program, especially since Iowa was a really good program back in the 80s and people have been waiting for that excitement to kind of return. And I think this is the first time where the electricity is really kind of back in Carver Hawkeye and back throughout Iowa. So as far as what it can do for a program and Fran McCaffrey's uh, you know, ultimate legacy, I think it's the biggest season of his coaching career unquestionably. Yeah. All right. When we come back, David, let's break down why Illinois could be the Big Ten favorite. That's next. <laughs> Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And welcome back in. Obviously, David Eichel here along with Illinois and Illini Inquirer, uh, Jeremy Werner. Jeremy, I know you and I had a fun little back and forth on Twitter, and I think a lot of people are excited to hear this podcast. So, and look, I, I want to make one thing clear because I think some people took it the wrong way. Illinois, I'm not going to belittle them. They have a very good team this year, and they could very well win the conference. So, you know, something that really intrigued me, and I did direct message you shortly after it happened. Jeremy, just for Iowa fans, were you surprised that I elected to return to school? Because at least from talking to you and talking to a bunch of other people and what I'd been hearing, he, he was out the door. Yeah, he was. And yes, we were very surprised because while you hear things maybe a couple of days before that, hey, crazier things have happened. Um, I all along, I just took the kid for his word because he's been he's been great with us. He's been very honest with us. He said, mm-hmm. oh, I'm 99 percent in. I'm 99.9 percent in. And, and that's just his mindset that like, hey, I'm doing this thing. And he was focused on the NBA. And I think just like Luca Garza, he had earned that opportunity uh, to showcase himself for the NBA. I mean, 
the year Io DeSumo had wasn't quite Luka Garza's year, but it was a breakthrough year. I mean, the plays he made, the, the clutch performances he had, um, lifted him to another level, and deservedly so. He won all Big Ten first team from the media uh, last year, which uh, he, he'd earned that spot. He had lifted Illinois to relevancy. Um, and then while Illinois fans were very wanted to be selfish and get Io back for another year, um, he did everything he promised uh, he would do at Illinois. Being that Chicago public league kid, it just doesn't happen. Uh, to come here to Illinois and change the program from the depths they had fallen to over the last decade, um, he had done everything that he said he would do. But the reason he came back was the pandemic. If, if the pandemic weren't happening, he would have been in an NBA draft combine. I think he would have done well there. Uh, he would have done unbelievably well in interviews uh, because he just gets better. Uh, he is, he's a pro's pro already when it comes to improving his game, when it comes to building a culture, when it comes to being a good voice in the locker room, all those different things. He just has questions about his game. Uh, you know, can does he have the athleticism? Uh, can he shoot from the outside? He, his three point percentage dipped from thirty five percent as a freshman to twenty nine percent as a sophomore. Can he do those things? And I think he could have proven that in, in some of these workouts. I think he could have proven that, uh, you know, at the combine. But he didn't have that opportunity. And I didn't like the NCAA's withdrawal date, though it's helped Illinois. Um, mm-hmm. These guys didn't get a true process, and because of that uncertainty. He could have gambled like he could have gambled last year as kind of a borderline draft pick. Uh, but he said, the big quote he said is, I'm not chasing the NBA, I'm chasing greatness. So he just felt that last year, sure, he could have been drafted. Uh, he could have gotten in the NBA, could have made money. This year, could have gotten drafted, uh, could have been in the NBA, could have made money. But he wants the right entry point, right? He wants the entry point into his pro career that'll set him up best for the long term. And he thinks, and I think it's possible, that if he comes back, is an All-American, leads Illinois to banners, right, that he can get himself into that first-round discussion and set himself up for the long term. But we were all surprised um, because (laughs) Illinois just goes from, you know, uh, possibly being a top-half team if just Kofi comes back or maybe a bubble team uh, if both those guys don't come back to all of a sudden we're having this conversation today where Illinois and Iowa are the favorites (laughs) in the conference. Yeah. So something that, you know, intrigued me last season, I think Kofi is probably part of the reason, but Georgie Bionishvili, I pronounced that right. I'm going to be really happy if I did. Bionishvili? Bionishvili, yeah. But okay, cool. I was okay. I was a lot closer than I thought it was gonna be. Uh, you know, he, he had a really solid freshman year. I thought I thought he he proved himself. I thought you know I thought he'd have not a breakout sophomore year, but I thought it'd be a long line the same a level of performance. What do you think was the biggest thing last season that just contributed to him kind of dipping a little bit? Was it Kofi's kind of arrival and him really taking over that that interior and being one that probably the most one of the more you know physically imposing. Uh, post guys in the country and what do you expect out of him this year because I think if he can take his game to another level I'm looking at Illinois at least a little bit differently yeah it's interesting before last year uh, or the last couple of years like Trent Frazier was the star of this team as a freshman and now he's kind of just a role player uh, n- not just a role player but he's a very good mm-hmm. role player for this team but he was kind of the face of the team uh, then the next year Georgie Bishanishville is one of the most surprising uh, recruits we've seen here recently he was you know 350 in the rankings or something like that and Illinois fans were like should we take this guy uh, and he ends up averaging 12 points and five rebounds uh, a game as, as a freshman ended up up having 
35 points, broke Deion Thomas's freshman scoring record uh, against Rutgers in one game. So, yeah, I mean, expectations were high for him last year, but everything changed for him last year because that seven foot, 285 pound freshman came in. And, and Georgie Bashanishvili, while they thought he could be a stretch four, he just wasn't comfortable there. Uh, you, you could tell he's a low post guy. But he's kind of undersized. It's six eight, you know, two twenty five, two thirty. Uh, he can move well, but he just can't, you know, battle with the rest of these Big Ten posts when it comes to rebounding. He's not a big uh, impact guy at the rim on either side of the court. Um, so he just never felt comfortable. He didn't shoot well from the outside. He was forcing bad passes at times. It's just a guy adjusting to a new role. More talented teammates around him. Uh, towards the end of the year, he was the backup five. And, and to be honest with you, coming into this year I expect Illinois with Kofi and being such a presence at the rim defensively I expect Illinois to play mostly small ball where you'll see wings uh, you'll see four guards on the court at the same time Demonte Williams I'm sure an Iowa fan favorite uh, he he's only six <laughs> three but he's got a wingspan of about seven foot he rebounds better in Bishanishvili. Uh he plays unbelievably defense he was great against Lamar Stevens and guys like that last year so I think Brad Underwood likes that versatility so I think Bishanishvili will be more of a backup five and if they want to go big uh, against teams that decide to go big they can put Bashanishvili at the four it just didn't work well last year for him so Illinois I think really landed a couple splash recruits this past off you know this season that are coming in Adam Miller and Andre is it Curbelo yeah Andre Curbelo Curbelo so I know two, you know, two 24-7 top 50 guys. Miller is, an, I think, a really good three-point shooter, a good playmaker. Curbelo is probably the most impressive passer, I think, uh, probably in the entire dra- uh, recruiting class across the country. So how much pressure is there going to be on those two guys to really step up and play key roles? Because obviously, I think with the loss uh, of Griffin and, and Feliz, I think that, you know, it could be a big X factor for them, you know, if they do finish first or third in the Big Ten. Yeah, if, if Io decided not to come back, both those guys are probably starters, right? And, and they are you mm. know, projected to be big impact players. There is far less pressure on those guys. Now, I'm sure Adam Miller and Andre Cabello would have loved that kind of pressure. And and you're right, they, they complement each other extremely well. I, I think the comp for Andre Cabello, though it sounds lofty, is Cassius Winston. Uh, he's just an undersized guy, but just mature beyond his years, makes everyone better, great passer, and just a four-year point guard that you think is going to be there for four years and be one of the best players in the Big Ten by the time he's done. Uh, Adam Miller, I think he's got a little Jordan Poole to him. Uh, just that kind of shooter, can shoot it from anywhere, has that swagger. Uh, and just uh, I, I think actually – Adam Miller's role becomes even bigger on this team with Io back because he becomes a three-point shooter that they sorely need, and I think Io's just going to create open spots for him so well. Uh, Curbelo's role probably decreases a little bit, but that's great when you got those kind of guards. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Trent Frazier, who's going to be a four-year starter. You mentioned Demonte Williams, who's not a great shooter, not a great offensive player, but just a, a gritty overall guard who is a glue guy for you. And then they add two more guys, transfers uh, that, that Brad Underwood's really excited about. Austin Hutcherson was a D3 kid, uh, but he's one of the best D3 players in the country a couple years ago. Brad Underwood says he's 6'7 now. Uh, he's one of the best athletes on the team. He's one of the best shooters on the team. So we'll see how he handles that uh, step up to the Big Ten, but they are excited about him. Uh, and then Jacob Grandison uh, came from Holy Cross. He was the leading scorer there a couple years ago. Not on a good team, but uh, he brings a lot of skill, a lot of length. Um, so the depth on the perimeter for them 
Um, the depth in the backcourt is probably as good as it gets in the country, uh, both with young talent and with returning talent. So it's just going to be very tough for, um, I, I think, a lot of teams, both offensively and defensively, to match up with Illinois in the backcourt. No, I think the last D3 guy I can remember coming in from the Big Ten was, what, Duncan Robinson back at Michigan? Worked out I mean, pretty that, well. That, that worked out pretty yeah, I was gonna say that worked out pretty well for them. Uh you know, and you're exactly right. And you know, you mentioned Iowa's defense, which is probably their biggest X factor. I mean, I look at Illinois, I think defensively and offensively, I think the probably the more complete, maybe the most complete offensively and defensive team, probably in the Big Ten. I just think Iowa's offense is so dynamic, which is why I give them a slight edge. With that being said, you know, that's why I think Miller's gonna play a giant role, is because they need that shooter. Like Iowa's defense, I think Illinois, they can stretch the floor and need won't be a perimeter oriented, not oriented team, but they if they shoot better from the perimeter, I mean you're talking about going from a sweet sixteen to a, a prime final four contender. Um, so with that being said, what are, what's the biggest concern you have about this year's Illini group? Yeah, there's, there's a few of them. Uh, number one is I don't think they have that perfect four, right? If you're competing for a national championship, you want that ideal roster. And while no one does, uh, they don't have a four that's long, athletic, experienced, strong, great rebounder. Like everyone hoped it was going to be EJ Liddell at Ohio State. He would be a perfect fit for that roster. They're going to go small most likely. They have a few young guys they're excited about. Uh, Coleman Hawkins is a top 160 kid with length. They're hoping they're, his, they're the DJ Wilson, but he's really skinny, and he's probably going to need another year, but he might play a little bit. Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk is a kid that missed most of last year with an injury, an overseas kid um, that looks the part. He's strong. He's you know six foot eight, 235 pounds, and he's skilled with we saw it a little bit in scrimmages, but he's been hurt, and he's really an unknown at this level. So those guys still feel like a year away of playing that role. Um, so that's one. Number two is is shooting. Um, well, I, I think there's a consistency with Illinois based on the leadership they bring back, based on the starters they bring back. Um, they still did not shoot the ball well. They were the worst in the Big Ten in three-point percentage last year, and they lost their best three-point shooter in Alan Griffin. Now, Adam Miller, Austin Hutcherson, Jacob Grandison should all help that. You would imagine Trent Frazier, who's been a good three-point shooter throughout his career, improves from 30% last year. I would imagine Io DeSumo, who always just gets better in the offseason, will find a way to improve his three-point percentage. Uh, But that really held them back uh, offensively last year. So that's one of the biggest ones. And the other one is, you guys saw it, Iowa fans saw it, Andres Felice is irreplaceable. While there are guys who are more talented, there is so much grit. <laughs> there is so much he's able to get to the downhill and get to the rim. You know, Andre Curbelo doesn't have that strength. Trent Frazier doesn't have that strength. Uh, Io DeSumo was so clutch last year, but so was Andres Felice. Uh, he got them back into that game out in Iowa City. Uh, he made some huge plays throughout the year. And as a six-foot guard, he averaged five-plus rebounds per game. Um, so, they're, you know, Demonte Williams and Io DeSumo are all going to have to step up in that regard. So, there are just little intangible toughness things that you can't replace. Uh, so, those would be... The, the nitpicky concerns, but shooting, you know, the four spot and, and just losing a, a senior like Felice are tough. All right, Jeremy, last question before we kind of wrap this up. We'll do a very brief, we'll take a quick break and do a very brief overview of how we uh, rank the Big Ten. What's the ceiling for this Illini team? Because I, I do believe if things go right and they can fix their shooting, I mean, I think, I don't think it's outlandish to say they're a prime Final Four contender. I really do. I think Iowa and Illinois' ceiling 
is probably a national championship. But I'm interested in your thoughts on that too. Yeah, I, the way I measure things because I've, I've the NCAA tournament's a single elimination tournament. So are mm-hmm. they capable of Final Four? Absolutely. They're they're also probably capable of losing in the second round, right? I thought last year's <laughs> Illinois and Iowa teams probably could have made a, a miraculous run of the Final Four. They were capable of it, uh, but I think they are a Big Ten title contender. I think it's Illinois, Iowa, and Wisconsin, and, and I think their defense is the consistency where I give them the edge over Iowa. Even though I believe Iowa is an unbelievable offense, if Illinois if they're hitting, Illinois is not going to beat them that day. Uh, it's just the consistency of the defense uh, and just their depth. Uh, I really really like. But those are the two top teams for me. Wisconsin is up there. Michigan State is up there. But this Illinois team is capable of winning the first Big Ten title for Illinois uh, in 16 years. Uh, and the last time they did that, they went to the national championship game with D. Brown, Darren Williams, uh, D. Brown, yeah, yep. and Luther Head, um, and James Augustine, and Roger Powell. Everyone remembers that team. This team is capable of being that team that everyone remembers. And there's a thing here. Uh, the Illini went to the Final Four in 1989. 16 years later, they went to the Final Four in 2005. It's 16 years later, 2021. So there's something about that that is really interesting. But this is the best roster. It's the deepest roster. And for Brad Underwood, it's pretty amazing that, you know, a year and a half ago, they're sitting at 6-15, and 15, I believe it was, one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Mm. And within that time, all of a sudden now – they're entering as one of the national title contenders. Um, so he's got to make the most of it because it feels like with the way his staff is recruiting and uh, what they could do this year, that Illinois could be on the precipice of, of returning to that tier where they could be competing with Michigan State. They can be competing with Michigan. And, you know, I would put Ohio State up there for the last couple of decades because mm-hmm. if Iowa fans don't remember – from 2000 to 2005, Illinois was the class of the Big Ten. They won four Big Ten yep. championships, a share of it, and they were in a better they were a better program at that time than Michigan State. Though Michigan State had won the national title, that was the big difference there. So it was Illinois ahead of Michigan State there for a small part of time, and then Bruce Weber just wasn't able to to keep it going. So for Brad Underwood, the key is making sure your team can handle the spotlight. Right, and I think they will with a guy like Iodasumu. Uh, but to make the most of this year, because if they do win big this year, even if it's a top two finish, top three finish in the Big Ten, you know, make a run in the NCAA tournament to the Elite Eight, Final Four, you could be talking about a program that routinely is, you know, thinking of itself as a top fifteen program in a, in a Big Ten title contender. All right, let's get, we'll get wrap this up real quick. Take one more quick break, and we'll do a very, very brief overview of our Big Ten rankings because uh, I think Jeremy and I are pretty in lockstep, but I'm interested to kind of get his thoughts on that. So we'll be back right after this break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so we just posted our 24-7 Sports Big Ten Media Poll, and I appreciate all of the 14 writers who participated in this. And, and boy, there were some interesting findings, but four teams get first-place votes. Iowa led, and they finished first in this by three points over Illinois, by the way. Iowa got five first-place votes. Illinois got four first-place votes. 
Wisconsin got four, and Michigan State got one. I wonder how many Michigan State would have gotten if Xavier Tillman decided to come back. But it was a pretty clear uh, top four tier there. Uh, then after that, it was Michigan, Ohio State, Rutgers, Indiana, all very close to each other, five through eight. Maryland and Purdue, nine and ten, very close to each other. Minnesota, Penn State, 11 and 12. Northwestern and Nebraska, 13 and 14. What did you find most interesting about that, David? You know, I was interested in some of the outlandish stuff. I mean, like, I, I don't know who did it, but it, like somebody picked Indiana third. Uh, you know, it did get really tough, though, too. I think the six through 11, I mean, was incredibly close. And I mean, when I was going through my rankings, I probably spent 20 minutes on that portion of it because it was really difficult. I'm looking at the rosters. I'm trying to break everything down. And man, I mean, like I think Fran McCaffrey said this during his press conference, this might be, you know, I, you know, the big 10 may have lost some big time stars, but I think that this upcoming season, the big 10 is going to be absolutely loaded again, just in terms of the top to bottom talent. Uh, I think I'm not surprised too much about Illinois and Iowa being, you know, the top two and separated by that little, because I do think in reality, they are separated by just that little bit. Um, I was interested that I thought more people would pick Michigan state higher. Uh, I, I, I did not, but I thought just because of the consistency, um, and Tom, the Tom Izzo factor, I thought more people would pick them. Uh, I thought Wisconsin might've had a, a case for number two. I wouldn't have been surprised if Iowa had slipped the third, just because, um, to make that big of a jump, I think, you know, some, some writers might be hesitant on that, but those are a couple quick things that really stuck out to me, but I will say this too. I thought that, uh, I thought Penn State would be ranked a little bit higher. I know they lost Lamar Stevens, but I do like some of that roster makeup that they have back. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested. I think that there's a lot of teams I could see being an NCAA tournament team. Then there's a lot of teams where if they finish the bottom two of the Big Ten, I'm not going to be surprised. Because yeah. I think Nebraska's going to make a jump, too, that people don't really realize that. They did bring in some hoopers, but they're just, I mean, they're retooling the roster for the second straight year. So how is it actually going to work? Yeah, Northwestern, I think, is going to be much better, uh, much more competitive. But can they win six games, right, in a 20-game schedule? That's going to be very difficult. Minnesota brought in some transfers that if, if they're all eligible, they're very competitive. It's just been for yeah. a long time. This conference has been the most, the deepest uh, conference. It's just can they win the national title? And, and just going through some of the stats, you know, it's been 20 years since Michigan State won, uh, but it's pretty amazing that six different programs have finished national runner-up. So they've been close, and they have elite teams. But this year, I think it's pretty clear there are four teams that I think are capable of making a run at that. And I would include Michigan state, like Michigan state probably mm-hmm. would have been one or two for me. Uh, if it weren't for Xavier Tillman leaving just because rocket Watts and Aaron Henry both looked like all big 10 guys towards the end of the year. I'm a big fan of Marcus Bingham as a backup big. So I'm interested to see what he does as, as a starter. Uh, but they have talent, man. Malik Hall, Gabe Brown. Yeah. Uh, they bring in more good talent. Joey Hauser, the Marquette transfer and, and Tom Izzo does deserve, right? You know, just just a yeah. little bit, a little bit of credit there. So I found it interesting. Ohio State was picked second and ninth, uh, so that was a, that was a big, <laughs> big one there. But yeah, I think the biggest one for me might have been that five through eight. There was barely any separation. Uh, Indiana, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Rutgers. Their average rank always in the sixes. So there was just there's very little change between there but i believe this is going to be an eight or nine team ncaa tournament league and uh, i think there's four teams that probably have a chance to make the final four 
I was going to mention this. You mentioned that the 16-year thing for the Illini making the Final Four. Last time Iowa made a Final Four was 1980. That was in Indi- Indianapolis as well. And, you know, what's 2021? Oh, look at that. Later. So I, Iowa fans are, you know, throwing their, their tinfoil hats on and that, that, that gif of all the papers and doing their conspiracy theories about that. Uh, with that being said, you know, let's, let's, I'm going to briefly break down mine. I mean, I think it's no surprise I picked Illinois one. No, I'm just kidding. I put <laughs> Iowa one. Uh, <laughs> I did put Illinois too. Again, I think that I, you know, I don't want to say clearly, but I still think there's a little bit of separation between those two teams in Wisconsin. I'm really interested to see how Wisconsin follows up after last season. I thought not that it was a fluke. Cause I mean, look, the results are on the paper. They did it. They have five senior stars, which is almost unparalleled uh, in modern college basketball. Uh, I Michigan state four. I, I, no, I'm interested to see where you put Rutgers. I put Rutgers five. I, I, I think I was the highest person to put, you know, to select Rutgers there. But I think I, I'm a big fan of what Steve Peichel's done with that program. And I think he, he does not get enough credit, maybe across the conference for what he's done, because I, I think they're a legitimate program now and he's done a really nice job. So those are my top five. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where you're, where you kind of stand. At Illinois one, Iowa two, uh, Michigan State three. Uh, that's no shade at Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin, I love their bigs. Um, and, and Dimitri Trice is a really good player. Micah Potter is one of my most underrated players in, in the Big Ten with what he did last year. I had Michigan five. Uh, I just think there's talent there. I, I just think mm-hmm. their wings are you know, as good as it gets. I think Franz Wagner is going to be an all big 10 guy. Isaiah livers coming back. Uh, they got some good guards and Eli Brooks, um, in the transfers and in the recruits they have, but that point guard position in the center position, you lose Xavier Simpson and you lose yep. John Teske. That's really tough. And when Isaiah Todd's not going to be there, um, that was difficult, but I still think their talents there. I got Indiana six. Uh, I still wonder if they can score points, but I think they're going to play tough defense and, Trace Jackson Davis is really good. Christian Lander is a huge key for them, reclassifying. And yep. uh, the rest of my the, the rest of that tier there, I had Ohio State 7. I'm a huge fan of E.J. Liddell. I think he's going to be a star probably this year. And uh, they have some talent. And, and Holtman coaches defense. Uh, I had Rutgers 8, and uh, I'm lower on them. David, actually, you're one of about five or six people that Rutgers 5. Um, so a lot of people are high on them. It's just, for yeah. me, Ron Harper Jr. is good. Joe Baker is clutch, but he can be very inconsistent. Uh, Miles Johnson. So Iowa fans know Ron Ron Harper Jr. is good because he scorches them every time they play. He scores Illinois too. I, I feel like everyone talks about Geo Baker when he's like the third best player on that team, and Ron Harper's <laughs> great. Uh, but yeah, that that's my top. There's, I thought five through eight is probably the toughest to go there. Yeah, I had I had Ohio State six. Like you said, I'm a huge fan of EJ Liddell. He's an undersized four, but that dude is so strong, and I think he's gonna continue to add to his game. I had I had Michigan seven. I mean, I think Isaiah Livers coming back is huge. I'm interested to see if Eli Brooks can be consistent because if he can, then I really really like that team. Like you said, the center position and having a guy like Xavier Simpson. I mean, that's you know so much intangible to that. And to be honest, don't you have questions about Juwan Howard still? Like, can, can you get the most out of, out of people? Yep, I do. And I think that this is a big year. I, I'm a big fan of always giving coaches three years yeah. before I really, really start diving into the specifics. I mean, if you're talking about you have a good first year and you're tanking, you're going down the drain third year. I mean, okay, then the, the results are on the paper. Right. Uh, but I'm interested to see, you know, about Juwan too. Uh, I had Indiana eight again. Can they score points? I think Trace Jackson Davis is, you know, a fantastic talent. I think he needs to be able to shoot from beyond six feet. 
Uh, but I think he's a really good player. Uh, Christian Lander is my biggest X factor. Can you yep. be consistent reclassifying? That's hard for anybody. Uh, even if you're a five-star point guard who is probably, I think the number one point guard in, in next year's class had that been the case. Um, I had Purdue nine. I think I gave them a little bit of a respect factor after what they did to Iowa last season. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, Painter's a great coach and I, you know, and I think they play tough defense. If they can score points, then I think they can take the next step. I had Maryland 10 and I had to check myself on that. And I'm shocked about that to even think about that. Uh, but, you know, I don't see how they're better than any other team ahead of them. And to wrap things off, I had Penn State 11, 12 Minnesota. I'll move Minnesota up if Liam, Liam Robbins from Drake is eligible because I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, Nebraska 13, Teddy Allen, watch for him to be a potential all-Big Ten guy. Dude's a straight bucket getter. Uh, Northwestern 14, they'll be better. But, you know, after last yeah. season, it's hard for me to pick them above anybody. I have the same 9 through thir- uh, nine through 12 as you. Uh, Purdue... Penn State, uh, Maryland. I, I Maryland actually, yeah, no. Purdue, Maryland, Penn State, Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota is just, you know, I'm, I'm, I've never been a big fan of of their coach, and uh, you know, he had a great end of the year a couple years ago, but uh, last year I was really disappointed in them. Uh, they're going transfer routes. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but then I had Northwestern above Nebraska, and uh, I just thought Northwestern was better in Nebraska last year. And I know Nebraska brings talent, but Northwestern has continuity, and I just I just think that helps. Yep. Nebraska, this this shuffling over so much of players, uh, we'll see how that goes long term in the Big Ten. But yeah, I, I have that. I, th- I think Purdue, you're right, the respect factor with them, it wouldn't surprise me if they're like top half. You know, yeah, it's weird either. to me because Harms and Eastern, I thought, were ready to take the, the reins of that program, and obviously they weren't. Uh, but now Trevion Williams, I think, becomes an all-Big Ten player. He's going to get all the touches. It's just do they have the guard play, right? They're, they're going to be able to shoot. Trevion Williams is good. Uh, but do they have playmaking guards? Because uh, a couple years ago they had a pretty good one in Carson Edwards. Just just put Iowa across their chest and have the other team play in black and gold, and, you know, they don't think you'll have any questions about their guards. <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean, with that being said, too, uh, to kind of wrap things up here. I know Jeremy, you and I are in lockstep. I want every Illinois Iowa game, and if if worst comes to worst for the season, I have a theory. Okay, let's put Wisconsin, Michigan State, Illinois, and Iowa in a bubble, yeah. and just have them play twenty times, and that's how we decide everything. Might as well. Might as well. Yeah, I, this rivalry is so much fun, right? I mean, we can mm-hmm. we can talk about who's the favorite, and of course, each fan base is going to want it. But there's a respect factor here. There is some hate. But I love that these guys embrace it. I love that Iowa Desumu yesterday said, yeah, we don't like them. And it's, it's, it's an old school thing. It feels like you're back in the 80s, right? And with these two teams atop the conference, it feels like you're back in that. And it's a border rivalry, and it's Big Ten, mm-hmm. and it's, it's old teams. And uh, these guys that clearly uh, respect each other but want to beat the heck out of each other. So I, I love this. And two coaches that um, pretty intense. So I, I'm a big fan of this, and I'm a big fan of these two teams playing more with Garza, Desumu, Kofi, Wieskamp, McCat, all of it. Mm-hmm. I just, just, let's make sure we can do what we do uh, to get these two teams playing as many times as possible. I'll say this, too, before we really, really wrap things up. Fran was asked on a local radio show about that encounter that they had uh, with the assistant coach. I can't remember the assistant coach's name. Chin Coleman, but uh, yeah. he was – yeah, they asked what uh, he, they asked him what they were yelling about, and everyone knew what they were yelling about. But he said, uh, 
I think you said Chicago style pizza was better than New York pizza. And I had to put him in his place. <laughs> I thought that was great. And I'll say this too. Connor McCaffrey was asked about Illinois during the press conference. Cause they had about five players available for it. Right. And he, he you could tell he was biting his tongue and smiling a bit, but he goes like, yeah, I know they're going to be a really good team. We're excited to play them. Uh, the big tens can be talented and you could tell like he was just having that fake smile, but, like every single muscle and vein was like popping out of his head. Uh, so that was, it, it was just hilarious, but yeah, like, like you said, I I'm all about this. I think it's going to be f- just awesome. I'm so excited about it. And I, again, I, I, I'm, you know, with how talented the big 10 is and even, even with the Izzo factor, even with the Wisconsin factor, I mean, I'll go on a limb. I do think that Iowa, Illinois finishes one, two. I don't know who's going to finish one, two, but I, again, I think for, for Iowa, my final thought is with the way Luca approached like his off season, again, the dude does three a day workouts and he has three goals in mind. And I'll say this, I talked to Frank Garza, this did not make the feature story. I couldn't find a way to properly incorporate it, but you know, Frank wanted Luca to take two weeks off of basketball after, you know, season got canceled or whatever. And Luca looked at his dad and just said, Hey, I'm going in the gym. I'm going to do better and more intelligent work. If you come help me, you can come or not. So Frank went and helped him and they did a drill for 30 minutes. The first drill, 1.2 seconds on a stopwatch in the post and practiced how he should have got the shot off against Kofi. So mm-hmm. if you don't think that he's going to be taking it personally against Kofi last year. Yeah. I mean that I, I seriously believe that that with the cancellation of the season, that last play, if that had been his last play in an Iowa uniform, I really don't think he would live it down. And I know it's crazy because it's just a regular season right. game, quote unquote, just a regular season game. But and he was, I mean, that took him weeks to get over. He That's was good. so upset about that game. That, that's good. No, but uh, I think Illinois has got a guy like that too. Io and his dad, right? They mm-hmm. have a very similar story where they work their butts off and uh, it's all about business. It's all about getting better. And I think Illinois and Iowa are both very lucky to have those guys as representatives of their university. And, and how fun is it um, for college fans uh, to have these guys around for three years for Io, mm-hmm. four years for Luca Garza? It, it's very rare to have guys who could be pros uh, who stay around that long. So hopefully we get these games and we get to see them go head to head. David, appreciate it, man. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. Hopefully we'll do this again when uh, we know that there's going to be a season for sure. Absolutely. All right, great insight from David Eichold, Hawkeye Insider, about uh, Iowa basketball. He covers the heck out of him, and if you, if you missed it, uh, just had great series on Luca Garza, had great access to the Garza family uh, and to people around him. So uh, if you're an Illini fan and want to know more about the guy you don't like, uh, you can check that out at Hawkeye Insider. Of course, we have covered uh, every angle, feels like, and we got more on the way of Illinois basketball and its big week of getting Iowa DeSumo and Kofi Coburn back. I my column on why I think that the Big Ten title runs through Champaign. Uh, and Derek and I both had pieces on Io. Uh, Kofi coming back. Brad Underwood chatted with us the other day. And we'll have more coverage from that. And Illini fans, it's a great time. We have a 50% off your first year of VIP access if you sign up now. It's a great opportunity to get more than $50 of value for free. You save $50 plus dollars, uh, if you sign up now for VIP access. So check that out. Check out all our content at the site. I continue to put up some football stuff. Just put up my Daniel Matt Bebe 
uh, film review, and I'll have some more interviews. I've got some later interviews today uh, to give you more insight into the Illini football program with all the questions surrounding the season ahead, what recruiting will look like, and uh, whether we'll get football. Uh, so I'll break all that down. We've got some interesting angles coming up. Thank you for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast and subscribing to all our premium members or VIP members online. Thank you for support as well. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.